Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Portions of the Oilers Now podcast are brought to you by ProAmSports.ca. 6.30 Chad and the Edmonton Oilers Hockey Club present the show that is everything Oilers. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office supplies at huge savings? Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X.ca on Oilers Radio. 6.30 Chad. Hour number two, Oilers Now in this hour. Louis DeBrus from NHL Hockey on Rogers. Ryan Kennedy from the Hockey News to talk about the NHL draft preview, courtesy of the Hockey News. Letters Now is brought to you by our title sponsor, Digitex. Digitex has our office printer and supply needs covered. They do it all, and they could be doing it for you as well. Right now, digitex.ca. All right, uh, we'll tell you some guests on the show receive gift certificates to Japanese Village, three locations, downtown Southside and Northside. You can uh, text us on our Westlock Ford text line at 630-630. If you're looking for a new vehicle, go see Paul Olson at Westlock Ford. Check out their great selection today at westlockford.com. Worth the drive to get your new ride. I will tell you this, that I bumped into our next guest at a uh, Southside establishment. They are not a sponsor of this show, and uh, I'm not going to mention them. Only because I think that there's another group, uh, Darren Darren Getty with uh, Joey and uh, Dean Lowry with Local, that does a superior job uh, with their similar type of establishments. But uh, anyhow, it's funny. Louis DeBrusque uh, is going to join us right now from the. That's uh, easy to guess, by the way. You might it? as well just say it. No, I'm not going <laughs> to. I'm not going to say it. No, I'm just going to tell you that I'm from the uh, the Joey Local School. Those are the, those are my two places. Again, with Darren Getty and uh, Dean Lowry. Louis DeBras joins us from NHL Hockey and Rogers on the River Creek Resort Casino Hotline. Louis, how you doing? I'm doing good today, Bob. How are you doing? I almost melted on the patio yesterday, though. It was a little scorching hot out there, which I'm not complaining about. Just but again, we're not going to mention the location. Yeah. Cause the big polar bear doesn't uh, doesn't do well in the heat. Uh, I guess not. Uh, hey, um, now that you're uh, back in town and all that kind of stuff, and you, it, by the way, is Jake back in uh, Edmonton, or what's going on there? Yeah, he's back. He's been back for a little bit. So does he uh, live at home, or does he got his own place now? He lives with us. Are you kidding me? He's not gonna. He's not gonna pass on mom taking care of him and home cooked meals and not having to pay rent. So. <laughs> does he? Uh, does and, he... I, and I didn't either. I did the same thing when I came home. I stayed at home. So. Oh, did you? Uh, did you? Uh, did you contribute to the grocery bill? That sort of thing. You know what? Uh, the grocery bill certainly goes up when he's home. There's no question about that. Uh, during the season, it's just uh, my daughter, my wife, and I. But when Jake comes home, there's a little bit of extra that gets bought in yeah. the uh, cupboard. But you know what? He's pretty good. If he wants something, he goes and gets it. There you go. I just you know, they, they, they take care of themselves more or less. We just uh, fill in the basics. All right. Uh, that's uh, look. You did the you did two rounds of Vegas, right? Yep. Amazing! What a story. You know what? I, I should. I, I got to read a text here. I have a friend. Um, yes, I actually do have a friend. I just want to establish that uh, the Chisler, aka a voice from the past, has texted the show. Louis, the Chisler lives in Las Vegas. Okay, he spent a number of years in Palm Desert and Palm Springs back in the late 1980s, but he lives in Vegas. He says, uh, "Bob, welcome back. Uh, we need more Top Gun tunes to open the show." I will use the word uh, uh, pontification. And meanwhile, I will say, says the Chisler, I saw it coming. They will hoist. I've been telling you Vegas will hoist since middle of November. 
Uh, well, I hope he put some money down the Chisler. The chi- well, one one thing I recall about the Chisler, <laughs> it was five hundred to one at one time, wasn't it? If uh, if we were waiting, November was probably still around two hundred to one. If we were waiting for the Chisler to pay back in the day, we'd still be waiting, Louie. You know what I'm saying? Like he he guarded his money, but he is. Hey, Brennan. I mean, how many times has the Chisler texted us about Vegas? And I just dismissed it and dismissed it and dismissed it. And yeah, he's been saying that since at least the midway point of the season. I like, think. like it's been over and over. And, and Louis, it's not a surprise anymore. Like when you're twelve and three in the playoffs, well, it's not fluke, is it? You know what's amazing though is that even. But as soon as you say that, I still hear people talking about the Vegas Golden Knights and saying that they don't have any stars in their team, and it baffles me because for me, William Carlson's a star. Jonathan Marchessault is a star. Riley Smith is a heck of a player. I mean, keep not giving those guys the credit they deserve, and you know what's going to happen? The same thing that happened to L.A., San Jose, and Winnipeg. That's the way I look at it. Yes, Marc-Andre Fleury's playing all-world right now, but they have some very talented players on their team. So I don't. I, the one thing I don't like about the whole thing is that people are like, oh, they're just a bunch of third-liners. They might have been before, but they're not anymore. That's yeah. the thing. They've broken out. They've shown everybody what type of player they can be, especially the top line. And then, yeah, you want to fill in the blanks on the second, third, and fourth line. You go right ahead with some good veterans. And, again, the back end is something that people don't talk about enough. Nate Schmidt is a really, really hard guy to play against. You know, he's not the biggest of guys, but he's really mobile. He plays with a little bit of an edge. And because of his uh, mobility, he's always in the right position. And he's aggressive. And if you go around through his stick, you have to go through his body. He very rarely gets beat one-on-one, which just makes him a great containing defenseman along with McNabb. They're a great top pairing for the shutdown role. And then Shea Theodore and Derek England on the second um, have been outstanding. I think Shea Theodore is really coming out in these playoffs. And nobody even wants to talk about, you know, you look at the back end, Colin Miller was their their leading point getter in points uh, by defenseman on the team. So another guy that has a cannon of a shot. This is a this is a deep team. This is a skilled team. Yes, they have an excellent work ethic that I think Gerard Gallant has implemented right from the training camp, right from the get-go. This is how we're going to do it. And it started with George McPhee, who put this thing together, uh, along with Kelly McCrimmon, who, you know, they wanted to build a team for now, you know, a team that could come in and compete. That's what they said right from the beginning. We want to build a team that comes in and competes while they're competing really well. Uh, you can text us at 630-630 on our Westlock Ford text line. I want to get um, a couple texts in on Vegas. Shamu. That's right, Shamu. Well, we got the polar bear, Louis DeBrusque, on. Shamu has texted the show and says, Hi, Bob. The Golden Bears, or the Golden Bears, uh, the Golden Knights were set up nicely by the league. If you think about it, every team gave up either a second-line forward or a second-pairing defenseman. The depth of that organization has showed up in the playoffs big time. Um, and let's not forget, Louis, in past expansion years, organizations were allowed to keep two goaltenders. Uh, this year, organizations were only allowed to keep one. Yep. Here's the thing, though. If you if you looked at what was available, and I watched that expansion draft, I was at the draft at the time, and you know when they started announcing the players that they were going to take, I for one, I would have taken totally different players. You know, I, I looked at the table and I saw it was available, and I don't think anybody expected to go and take some of the players they took. You know, but. They took them for a reason. Yes, there were deals that were cut. Yes, they got draft picks. Yes, they built for the future. But there was also an ingredient in the players they liked. And that, to me, is what really has come forward. And I don't think that George McPhee 
the coaching staff, the management group in Vegas is getting enough credit for the fact that they looked at this as a team for now and for the future. Not the big, robust team. I mean, I thought they were going to get clobbered against Los Angeles. I thought, you know what, going in against the Kings, playing the way they were playing, Kopitar with a career year, Brown back on track, Dowdy playing the way he was playing a career year. I'm like, you know what, they don't stand a chance. Jonathan Quick was outstanding in that series, and they found a way. Then they go up against San Jose. Okay, similar to L.A., not as robust, not as aggressive as the Anaheim team they took out in the first round, but they were faster. I thought, this is going to be a real tough matchup for the Vegas Golden Knights. But you know what? Their style didn't change. They compete. They roll. They play an up-tempo pace that teams just can't compete with over time, and they wore them down. They beat them. Then they go into Winnipeg. I'm like, okay, they're running up against a really good team in Winnipeg that I really thought the Jets were going to win the series. But at that at that stage of the game, it was hard for me to bet against Vegas because I've seen what they did two two rounds in a row. But my heart was with Winnipeg. I thought they were going to pull it out and they were going to win that series because I thought they were the more skilled, bigger, and deeper team. And I thought they could hang with them speed. Well, you know what? The speed eventually wore them down, too. By that game where they finished it off to go 4-1 in the series, you could tell that the pace had caught up to the Winnipeg Jets. The first few games, they could hang with them, and those games were close. They could have gone different ways. But that last game, you could tell it was starting to wear them down and you know what? They got excellent goaltending. Well, that's yeah. He stood on his head. Like I mean, there's just no question. He's for me. He's already the con smite. There's no. I mean, he just getting to the final. Sure. They pretty much jumped on his back, but that's the way they play. They Can't play hit, armadillo. I call it the armadillo style, where you just defend, defend, but when you get chances, they attack voraciously and. It works for them. Game three and four in Vegas, the final five periods of those two games, Winnipeg was the better team. But Winnipeg's goaltender gave a goal away in each game, and Flurry was locked in. And I'll in tell y- you this, though, too. I will say this, though. It, we've seen it from a lot of teams now in the last few years, the way they play that style. They collapse, they defend, they give you the outside. Vegas didn't really give a whole lot of quality chances on the second and thirds. Like they, they will give you that outside chance. They trust in their goalie to make it the save. Yeah. But one of the better teams at battling in between the hash marks. You know, in that blue paint area, they, they are tenacious in there. And they're very comfortable playing that style. And that's, you know, they're all willing to block shots. They all stand, they all get their sticks in the right places. They're hard to pass through, so they force you to, like even a guy like Patrick Laine didn't really have a ton of great looks in the series. Right. You know, he just... You know, power play, absolutely. He ripped a couple shelfers. But you know what? They pretty much neutralized him with their good sticks, their skating ability, and just getting in his way. And I'll tell you what. I think that Washington-Tampa, that series going seven is going to be outstanding. I think it's going to take an extra little bit of toll on each one of those teams that gets through. But I do believe they are will be the fastest teams that Vegas has faced in the playoffs. So it'll be really interesting to see how they match up. That could be the difference. But... Uh, and, what an amazing ta- story. and Tampa what an amazing story. Bay. Tampa Bay's got a lot of depth. I mean, they play those. Oh, the, you know, they, they got a couple older guys in their fourth line, but those are experienced players. You know, with Kunitz and Callahan, they've got oh. they've got players that they could deploy at any time that would be, you know, change the complexion and the makeup of their squad. And frankly, I think it was a mistake Nashville made against Winnipeg. Like, I think they had better players than Mike Fisher that they didn't use, and I think it came back to bite them against the Jets. Uh, we're joined right now by Louis DeBrus. Louis, I'm going to throw a total curveball at you. Here we go. Here we go. 
Because are you, are you going to be involved? In I've dr- never really tried hitting a curveball, so I don't know if I'll be able to hit it or not. All right. So I know you've broadcast the University Cup before. Ian Herbers is going back to the U of A. Uh, they are going to be the prohibitive favorite next year. Uh, your son played in the WHL. You played in the OHL. You played in the OHL at a time when the Memorial Cup went on where the WHL was you know running with 14 or 16 teams and seemingly won two out of every three Memorial Cups. That's my recollection. The last 10 years, one WHL champion, Edmonton in 2014. The last three years, the WHL 0 and 8 in the last three years, the WHL championship. Uh, of course, Jake was in Red Deer at the Memorial Cup a couple of years ago. Uh, the OHL has one team for every 670,000 citizens in the province of Ontario. The Quebec League has one team for every 580,000 citizens in Quebec. The WHL has one team for every 470,000 people in Western Canada. Yeah. Are there too many teams in the Western Hockey League? And part two, uh, the WHL is cutting from 72 to 68 games, which I think... Perfect. Which, okay, so we agree on that. So have there been too many, you know, are there too many teams in the WHL and are there too many games? And that, is that played a factor on why the Western Hockey League hasn't been very good with their champion at the Memorial Cup the last three or four years? Last well, three I have years. To, I, I'll tell you from my own experience playing in London, playing for the London Knights. It was... We couldn't wait to go on a long road trip and actually have to stay in a hotel because it didn't happen that often. Right. Because the travel schedule was just so minimal. Um, those were our longest trips up to Sault Ste. Marie, Sudbury. You know, those those were the ones that were the longest for us. But in the WHL, and I know from Jake's experience playing in Swift Current, the travel they do, and the Brandon Wheat Kings were the one that won the WHL that year, the year Jake went to the Memorial Cup and yep. Red Deer as the host. The grueling schedule they had to go through and the travel to win the WHL absolutely took the wind right out of their sails. When yeah. they got to the Memorial Cup, they were a shadow of themselves. And they had injuries, they were banged up, as opposed to the London Knights, who, let's face it, they were a tremendous great team. That top line, Dvorak, Kachuk, and Marner were just outstanding. Yep. But if you looked at their schedule and what they had to do to get to the Memorial Cup, it was night and day compared to the Brandon Weekings. So I think that plays a huge part in it. And that's just the reality of being in the WHL. I'm sorry, right. that's just, you know, logistically, we are in the prairies here. It's BC, it's the United States, and it's the prairies, and it's a grueling, grueling league that way. But and yeah, then- I, do believe, I do believe there are too many games. I, I think the games start to yep. add up. The travel starts to get to players, and over time, it just uh, takes its course. And I have no problem with them jumping down from 72 to 68. If you want to go to 60, I'd be fine with that. Uh, I just think that the, the caliber of game would go up, the intensity. I think the players would have to work harder. As far as taking teams away, I'm not sure that's necessary. Um, I don't mind that. I mean, if you want to structure some divisions a little better so that they, the travel is better. Uh, if you could possibly do that, they already start to do that where, where you only go one way yeah. one year and then you go the other way the next year, so you're not playing them twice in a year. Um, you could do that even more. But so twenty, but twenty and half, but twenty-two teams for you know ten million people or nine and a half million well, people in Western Canada. You would think it would be the other way around. You think that Ontario would have the most teams? You know they would have right way more teams respective to but, the population, but. We love our hockey out here. What, what can I say? That's yeah. just the way it is. It's uh, I, you know, 
you can argue it any way you want, Bob. I know it's going to be an argument, but uh, I really do feel, though, that the schedule, the grind, is what really wears down the WHL players. We're, we're watching it. Even that much more remarkable. We're, you know, happen right now. I mean, Swift Current has, and of course, Steenburgen got hurt in the opening game. So you're taking a, you know, there's there's how many World Junior champion players in that tournament? There's two. There's Robert Thomas with London, and then there's, well, there's three. There's Sam Steele. So you have three guys, Sam Steele, Robert Thomas, and Tyler Steenburgen. And Swift lost their guy. So Manny Vivrios, who is a red-hot coaching candidate, and that might already, you know, he's he's going to get, he, you know, he's likely to be getting something here uh, coming out of Swift. I mean, he's got an exhausted team. He doesn't have a top, his his you know, a guy that scored 98 goals, Louie, in the last 128 games in the Western League, not available to him. But the lack of, I guess That's my point. injury, too. You know, Steenbergen's a pretty gritty, tough kid, too, and did play with him yeah. last year in junior there. And you know what? Like, he just went in awkward. You know, he went in in a bad position. You know, a little button hook, and I don't think he expected to get hit as hard as he got hit. But, but, and, uh, yeah. You said it, though. But you, he's a huge loss. He's a huge loss. I mean, he's that's a game-breaking player right there. He won the, the winning goal in, in the World Juniors. I mean, this is a guy that gets up for the big occasions, and they're going to miss him greatly. They already I, did miss him. In the I'm game. not making yesterday. excuses for the Western League. I'm explaining why it's happened, right? they Like, when they were at 14, 16, 18 teams, they had really good teams at the Memorial Well, Cup. let's face it, you know, and, and like you're saying, let's let's put it bluntly. It's it's less positions, less opportunities for players, but the depth gets even stronger on teams because the better players are all going to go to those teams. They're going to gravitate. So it's just, it's a numbers game. So those teams back in the day, and I remember hearing legendary stories of the WHL. It was always a really tough, grindy league. And I remember talking to guys when I was drafted by the Rangers and going to camps and just hearing some of the battles that would go on. And... Uh, it was neat for me to see some of these rinks, you know, see some of these towns and, and cities, you know, and going to see Jake play because I had heard so much about them, you know, over the course of my uh, playing career from guys that had played in the dubs. So I, uh, it was neat for me to put kind of a, a face to the name of a town or a city and, and understand what those guys were talking about. But there's no question. I think it's, it's a much more grueling league. I think the OHL is, is, is a higher skilled league. I, I just think they play a more talented game there, a more skill set game, same with the Quebec League. Whereas the Western League's a little bit more like the Western Conference of the NHL. It's kind of a little more uh, meat and potatoes. Don't get me wrong, there's some tremendously skilled players and super talented players in WHL, but it's just the style they play. And it's it's we're gonna grind and wear you down and be physical and we're gonna, you know, cycle you to death and, and we're gonna and we're gonna make plays where if you, even if you watch and I've watched the, the first two games for Swift Kern against the Q and I watched them against uh, Hamilton and you could tell that the OHL team and the Quebec team were just a little more skilled with the puck. They just had a little more polish with the yep. puck and and it was a difference. You know, it was a difference. When they got opportunities they were great A chances and I thought Skinner played really well but they were giving up some real high. I think right. they had 23 shots in the first period. It was unbelievable was, last night. Yeah. So, you know what? Like, that's that's hard. That's hard, especially when you get that wear and tear. But listen, I'm not making excuses either. I'm certainly not. I was an OHL kid. I didn't think about it at the time when I was playing in the OHL. I just played, and I don't think the WHL kids think about it too much when they're playing. They just play. But looking at it from the outside in, it's not it's not the same. It just isn't the same. So, cutting the games back would be a start. And uh, give them a little more of an advantage, a little bit more rest throughout the season because of the travel they do, and uh, and we'll see what happens from there. All right, Louis. Uh, well, make who's going to win? Final question for you: Who's going to win Game Seven, Tampa Bay and Washington? 
I knew you were going to ask you that too. And uh, you know what? I my gut says Tampa Bay, but I'll tell you, I'm rooting for Washington. I'm rooting for I'm, I'm rooting for Ovi. I want to see him come up big. And I played in Tampa Bay. I know I love Rick Bonus, and you know what? But I would love to see it. Here's the thing: we talked about it when they were, when it was down to four. The Tampa Bay Lightning are the only team that have won a Stanley Cup. Now I know a lot of those players in that team have not won a Stanley Cup, but their organization has won a Stanley Cup. If Washington wins. We're guaranteed a brand new Stanley Cup winner, and I, I just think that's great. I think it's great for the game. I think it's awesome to have new blood in that uh, that category, and I have no problem seeing the Great Eight move on. He's always exciting to watch. That's but Tampa Bay is going to be really tough to beat. I'm with you, Lou Dog. Hey, one of these days, maybe you'll call me and take me for lunch. <laughs> hey, vice versa, right back at you. All right, thanks, Louie. All right, take care. That's the Polar Bear from NHL Hockey on Rogers. Louis DeBrusque, it's 125 in Edmonton. We'll take a timeout. This is Oilers Now. When you want to fly your Oilers colors with fan gear or outfit your fan cave, there's only one place. ProAmSports.ca. Jerseys, apparel, headwear, and memorabilia from your favorite players and teams. Whether it's the NHL, the CFL, the NFL, MLB, or more, ProAm Sports are your fan cave specialists. And if it comes with a ProAm Sports Certificate of Authenticity and hologram, you know it's 100% authentic, hand-signed memorabilia. So no matter who you cheer for, ProAm Sports has got your guy. Visit their Edmonton show room on St. Albert Trail. Fill your fan cave at proamsports.ca. That's proamsports.ca. This is Milan Lucic from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on 630 Ched. RCN points out via the text line, Westlock Ford text line, he says, Bob, when the WHL had 14 and 16 teams, Western Canada's population was also much lower big difference between 22 teams and 14 teams. I think we can agree on that. Uh, anyhow, uh, we'll uh, wait and see. Uh, I, I, the other day, I just think coaching has changed. I think nutrition has changed for players. Um, elite academies, year-round hockey, it's all played factors. I, I just think that the WHL has to revisit how many teams it has in those leagues. It's, it's at like 22 teams. The other leagues, to my knowledge, have not gone through that massive uh, expansion and it the last three years they've underwhelmed at the uh, at the Memorial Cup and it's been kind of sad to watch frankly all right off to a global news weather traffic update Ryan Kennedy from the hockey news to talk about their draft preview edition when we come back